I think this could very well be my favorite comic of the year. I don't know oh, if we wow. have those things. I don't know if we have those kind of titles. <laughs> I just, I'm constantly thinking about it after having read it. And this was just very, very well done. Relaunch, everybody. Uh, my name is LZ. I am Keenan. How are you doing today, Keenan? I'm doing all right. You know, how are you doing? I'm all right. You know, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm approaching right, 30. This is going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm approaching 30, you know. Uh, That's not too bad. No, I'm excited for it. I feel like, you know, this is like where life is at a sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, know? I, you, you know, I hit that milestone a couple months ago, back in June. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was, I was actually no, my my birthday weekend was not that well. It was uh, the weekend, the height of social justice, so there were like tons of protests at the White House. Oh, yeah. yeah, we were like very heavy into quarantine, so nothing was open. Uh, it actually, no, actually, that's a lie. It was nice. Like, I couldn't do anything, but my friends made it a very small, intimate gathering. It was like seven of us, and that was fine. Those are great, actually, too. I think that I'm was a great doing something. <laughs> yeah. That was small parties good. are fun. Yeah, that was <laughs> mine. You know, the world might have been crap, but the, the birthday was actually good. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, let's get into it. Uh, the first comic up this week is Shang-Chi number three. Now, are you still reading this? I am, and I, I really like this issue. Really? You did, I did not. No. Oh no. So yeah, it's it's losing me. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed the whole backstory bit about the eight nation invasion. Okay. And then like the five weapon houses and Zhang and how he kind of like broke them up and put them in different spots. I still also really enjoy the art. I think it's really kinetic. Has a lot of good movement. He does decent expression. It captures the action well. I'm still looking for it. And this is being written by Gene Yang and art by, uh, I think it's Dyke Ryan, I think Ryan or something. I'm not sure. If yeah. I'm sorry if I, I mispronounced that. Um, I don't know. This one for me, I appreciated the the backstory, kind of like what you said with the um, <clears throat> the eight nation invasion and kind mm -hmm. of that, that kind of stuff. But some of the pacing for this kind of felt off for me and some of the like reveals felt off. Like, yeah. I didn't know that all of the hands were all related. That just felt like randomly thrown in there. And I went back <laughs> to, to read the previous issue and um, that was never told. Yeah. So like the dagger and the uh, the hand on all of them and Sister Hammer, I didn't know that they were all like related. <laughs> that, that felt random. I felt like I've read that somewhere before, probably during Daredevil Shadowland um event and so i guess that's uh, why it didn't hit me as heavy i will say that i do feel like this felt like a very middle of the road issue it's the third one i think this is five issues all together it's kind of like reaching the top of the hill before it all goes down and we get to the crazy stuff so i can see where the pacing kind of shifts and that could take you out of it a little bit all in all though i think i still enjoyed it for the most part I st i'm still really enjoying the interactions between shang chi and his family 
and again, like I said, that backs, you know, I'm a sucker for like world building. So it was, it was all yeah. for me. Yeah. I, I'm going to stick with it for sure because it's only five issues. Um, and I don't know. Some of this is giving me like, this is going to be in the MCU. <laughs> oh, like... yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> what I feel these... like a lot of these little mini series are about right now. It's very much saying, again, we need some MCU energy. We actually need some meaty stories to give some of these lower tiered characters who we don't really specialize in often outside of a team setting. Yeah. And it's, it feels like this is giving him a lot of very cinematic kind of scenes that they can kind of pull from for these show or at least kind of say that, hey, look, this did actually happen in <laughs> in the mm-hmm. comics, Very um, much so. which I'm totally okay with. You know, that's that's fine. You need those stories every now and again. You need a little fluff, a little popcorn. Give them something to cheer at. Yeah. Um, speaking of, up next is Falcon, Falcon and Winter Soldier number five. I have not read any of this miniseries, uh, so tell me about it. I kind of wish I had not read any of this miniseries. I honestly didn't enjoy it. <laughs> Ooh, <yikes. laughs> um, which which sucks, because, you know, Falcon is one of my favorite characters. Um, I like Winter Soldier. The whole Cap crew is actually pretty awesome. But Falcon is, like, my guy. One, yeah. And so I was really excited when this came out. Again, this is another one, and I've said it before. It feels very MCU synergy. The show was supposed to be out right now. This is something that was going to tie in and kind of let you see these guys It's weird, though, because you can tell the writer, Derek Landy, is getting very heavy into the MCU, Bucky Sam. Okay. MCU Bucky Sam is very different from comic Bucky Sam. So they're a little bit sillier than I'd kind of like them. The villain is a kid who idolizes Captain America. I actually thought that was a pretty fun twist because he's like this unbeatable fighting force and he kicks their ass a couple of times. Of course, they end up beating him because they are the heroes. They save the day. I, I don't know. I just, I never really cared. Sounds like Syndrome from The Incredibles. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, I just never really cared for the way Landy did Sam and Bucky's voices. And I felt like that took me out. I will say that the artist, Federico Vicente, Vicente, Vicentini, Vicentini, that's how you say his name. Um, he was amazing. His art reminds me a lot of Matteo Scalera. I don't know if you ever oh, seen Oh, okay, that yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's giving me a lot of Scalera vibes. Uh, a little bit of uh, Humberto Ramos in there. I know that he's a controversial artist for a lot of people. Yeah. You either love him or you don't. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I do not. <laughs> um, so it's like, I feel like he channels a little bit of both of them in his art, which is really nice because I think it's a peculiar style that when it is done right, it's done very well. And I think he does it very well. His action scenes are great. Again, he's another one that's very kinetic in the movement. I enjoyed the book for his art alone. But not for the story. So not, no, not <laughs> don't really pick it up for that. No, yeah, not really the story. <laughs> well, you know, I I like Winter Soldier. Uh, I think Falcon's all right. I'll probably maybe check this out on Un- Unlimited to see if Do I can really get into it. You really want to get some like good modern Falcon stories? Of course, I would say his entire run of Cap is quality stuff that you should pick up. Ed Brubaker did a run on Captain America that has Sam in it pretty heavily. That's really, really good stuff. It's actually probably like one of my favorite cat runs of all time. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, most definitely. But I'd, I'd, start, I'd start with those. Okay. 
I should check this out. Ed Rebecca is pretty good, so I'll get into that. I miss him. He hates superhero yeah. comics, though. He's never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> you probably burnt out. I get it. <laughs> uh, speaking of, you know, some historical superhero comics, um, up next is the history of the DC Universe number one. Ooh, this was which good. I think this could very well be my favorite comic of the year. I don't know oh, if we wow. have those things. I don't know if we have those kind of titles or, <laughs> or like or whatever kind of whatever kind of title we want to give that. But this was probably I just I'm constantly thinking about it after having read it. And this yeah. was just very, very well done. Like to experience the DC universe through the eyes of Black Lightning and through like the eyes of a black man yeah. was awesome like it was just it was really dope to see and i i loved the fact that uh uh ridley john ridley who wrote this didn't shy away from the kind of character black black lightning is like he, yeah it was very he was really outspoken. Like also, yes <laughs> you know he wasn't he wasn't this very like uh kind of hokey or kind of a uh, cliche uh, caricature of a black man he had his own ideas and his own thoughts <laughs> and he was very outspoken about that he was not shy about his religion and believing in god and um and even his own values which were both his they were both his pro and his cons of his character <laughs> uh which i very thought much. were a really really cool way to show the way that uh jefferson pierce is he wants you to be great but kind of also arrogantly so <laughs> um and kind of forces his his idea of what greatness should be on those around him specifically other black men yeah agreed and i really this was a very dense read too and it was a good type of dense i really love what they're doing for black lightning in dc comics in general they really yeah. feel like they are building him up to a legitimate top tier character, like one of kind of the faces of their franchise a little bit, faces of their company. And I feel like it's been happening slowly for, but surely for a while now. I'm really interested to see what Tony Isabella actually thinks of it when he eventually gets it. I know he's had a lot of turbulent issues with DC when it comes to the character of Black Lightning. He created him. And then he had a lot of problems with their editorial during the times when he was writing, he was fired. He felt like he was pushed out. And so he gave a lot of pushback to when and where Black Lightning could be used. Yeah. And like even would go for some legal action every now and again. But I did see on his Twitter that he said, this is probably the first Black Lightning story that he's been excited for that he has not written. Oh, wow. That is extremely impressive because- like you, <laughs> like, he don't like nobody you know, writing Black Lightning, okay? <laughs> you don't like nobody touching his shit. Like, but he, he is kind of like you said, like, the reason why we haven't really even gotten a lot of Black Lightning around is because he is very protective of of Jefferson and he wants it done the way that he kind of imagined the character to be. So yeah. to to get that kind of praise from the creator is is huge. <laughs> Maybe yeah, we can so, finally start getting him around more often now. Okay, um, but this was great. And it, it really also just makes me excited for everything that John really is possibly going to be doing at DC. We know that he's tapped to do some other little projects here and there that they haven't announced. We know that a lot of things up top are changing. I feel like this is kind of their way 
of silently telling us he's going to be the next big architect of the company. Oh man, I would love that because as as awesome as this series was about Black Lightning, I really, really loved the John Stewart section of this book. I knew you were going to. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wasn't expecting it uh, to to happen at all in this book because I thought it was just going to be about Black Lightning, but to witness the way that Black Lightning saw uh, Green Lantern as yeah. this like. As, he was dragging him in the beginning, like every, oh yeah, every five, every five, every <laughs> he got the chance. It was just like no. it was oh he's he is a sucker. Like you know he is. If you want some token black hero, go get Green Lantern. Call like, John Stewart. Call it was John like every Stewart. chance he got. Any chance he got to just you know take a take a, a a tug at John's wig, he did. And I reading it i was like now hold on because <laughs> you're doing too much on my homeboy now hold on because this is very this is very like one-sided i kept thinking like that's not how that went down or you know exactly. he he kind of told the story of john came to the school and he wanted to see it let everyone see that there could be a black superhero and told everyone to be you know be the best you you can be and Jefferson saw that as look at him trying to be this like pompous hero. He doesn't even want to touch the ground. He's floating, <laughs> so right there with his, irritated. And later in in this, when you see them have a a one on one after uh, John Stewart wanted to commit suicide, which happened after he couldn't save this planet from exploding, he like flew into this whole dark dark time in his life and wanted to commit suicide but couldn't because the ring kind of kept him alive um and the two of them kind of talked about it and he realized that you know uh oh you know maybe we do have the same kind of story maybe we should be kind of helping each other and john said no everybody's story is different i'm just out here trying to make it and i felt like yeah. that was really eye-opening for jefferson like oh shit um we're all just doing the same thing. <laughs> we're all just doing the same thing there is no one way of trying to be black and yeah. um he was like you know i'd never realized that john had the burden of always being the first black mm -hmm. in, insert whatever kind of title here yeah. um because he is the he's the first black dc <laughs> superhero exactly. uh, and, and it, it's and it's very interesting especially when you compare his meetings with john to his meetings with vixen and the book you know it's right? like when he meets up with Vixen, she's telling him, you know, hey, I want to be the superhero. I want to do all this stuff. And he's kind of like, no, that's not what we do. And then we find out, you know, she has her first go at a superhero and she's amazing at it. She gets team, she teams up with Superman and like she becomes super popular. And Jackson kind of looks, I mean, Jefferson kind of looks at that with almost a little bit of resentment, not necessarily even for her, but just for himself, because he's like, am I pushing myself out there the way that I should be and doing these things? Because again, you got people like Jon Stewart, who's kind of like, he's the token black guy. You got Vixen now, she's popped up and she's making it. Uh, I think Cyborg comes up later on into it. You know, yeah. he's like, they're out here, they're doing it and they're doing it on their own terms. How should I be doing this? Yeah, I, I thought that all of that was really, really well done. Um, his interactions with, um, I don't know. I just really appreciated the way his whole interaction with John, it felt very real. <laughs> and I wish that there was a lot more of this coming out of DC where we're getting these very like real 
feelings and real kind of emotions attached to these characters yeah, which um, i feel like is something that we have not gotten for a long time with a lot of their characters yeah definitely i i don't know i thought this was really really well done <laughs> i think this was like my favorite comic i think i've read all year for sure um so speaking of more dc stuff uh the next book is justice league dark number 28 now i did not read this uh Tell me about it. I did. So, I mean, again, it's it's a really good book. Justice League Dark has just been telling a very long story where this team is trying to basically save magic. This issue is kind of the culmination of all that. They finally... Are they still trying to save magic? They, they've been failing. Because, <laughs> okay. Because, <laughs> but, like, that, that's a big part of this issue, or the last two issues have been why they've been failing and what they've been doing wrong to the fact that they cannot save it. And this one guy who they keep trying to trap keeps coming back. Um, and Zaytana kind of like does some magic whammy jammy. She kind of figures it out. Again, the whole basic premise is that magic comes with the cost and all the magic they've been doing has not cost them anything. And so now we finally start doing things and it costs them big time for a lot of different things. So we actually do end up defeating the enemy. It's great. It feels good. Again, it's a really good exploration of magic just in the DC universe, what it means, what it does, how it reacts to things. It's I don't know if the story's ending. I know Code is Winter is about to come up, the little DC event, but I know we have Future State first and then Code is Winter. So it says the story will be continued in Code is Winter, but I don't know if I'm going to be around for that. So. Oh, so they're going to take a break during Future State like everything else, but then be picked up again during the... Exactly. Coldest winter. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So we'll see. Um, the, the 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 issues are written by Ramby. I will say another highlight of this book has been the art. I oh I don't have the artist's name on me at hand. I'll have to tweet it out later. But even so, any of the artists for the book, they've been very very great with the way they do their panel layouts. Oh, I yeah. think because this book is about magic and it's like weird and different. I don't know it if it's the writers or they just told the artists like go crazy with how you draw things, but they've done some really creative stuff with the way they lay these pages out, the way the characters do things, the way they interact. It's just been really, really good. Definite highlight. It's a visual book first, for sure. That's great. Cause I feel like those types of artists and those types of layouts are important for magic books to yeah. really kind of give you that magic feel. So I'm glad yeah. that they're doing that with that. They really drive it home. There's like this one panel, this one page in the book with Zaytana and the villain, his name's Upside Down Man. Their bodies are basically combined and she's like breaking out of his. It looks amazing. Amazing. Oh, that's that's dope. Well, more magic <laughs> or the end of some magic, I guess uh, we should say is coming up next with X-Men number 15. Now this was chapter 20 or 19, sorry, 19 of x of swords no i think it was 20 it was 20 sorry it was it was 20 of x of swords what did you think this was this was good i liked I it too x-men number 15 really like brought me back into this and liking it again <laughs> uh, mostly because like i felt like there was a lot of fun last week and it was it was great but i wanted to get more uh substance yeah. i guess you could say and so I, I, i'm actually so before before we, i even really like get into that i'm going to kind of talk about these books like as a whole like together there was what x-men what number was that 
15? 15, yeah. Then Excalibur. 15. 15, and then the Destruction Special. Okay. So I will say that when I first read these issues, I did not really enjoy them. I was also in a bad mood, so that kind of hampered it too. But I went back <laughs> that night and I like reread X of Swords as a whole. And I will say that I am very pleased with this event, how it turned out. I do think there are a couple of things that could have been taken out or added in to drive a couple points home. So I think a big thing for me is the tournament, which were the with the previous six issues or so. I did not enjoy about half of that. And I feel like if you take some of that out, you could have put in, a, a, and when I say take some of that out, I mean just like some of the random nonsense panels that we had. Uh, again, I even think about when they were at the dinner and Magic and Gorgon were testing Iska. Like, they didn't need to do that twice. We didn't need to see half of those ridiculous battles. And I think if you would have put some more meat into the story about Jubilee and her random entrance in Excalibur, <laughs> 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 kind of building that up a little bit more, even with the conversation that she had with Betsy Pryor, uh, even the whole moment of this is a little bit of a spoiler in destruction when the Captain Britain corpse come back. Mm -hmm. It is supposed to be like this huge moment, all of these alternate reality Betsy's and they kind of like pop in and then we see them fighting and then we never really see them again. And you kind of sit back and you think, I feel like a lot of stuff towards the end of this book, it was just happening and we were moving away from it very quickly. Whereas if we got some uh, rid of some of that other stuff, we could have built up on it and actually made it mean a little bit more. I think if you would have, found a way to actually have Betsy come back after Saturnine put those pieces together and be the one leading the corpse into that battle, it would have had a little bit more weight onto it. Because it's like, why do I care about a bunch of random Betsy Braddocks, even if it is the Captain? I didn't. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but if you kind of have Betsy actually coming in and leading that, this is a moment where you're like, oh, okay, like, oh, she's back, she's live, she's leading this charge. It's kind of a moment for her. It actually means a little bit something more. And then again, you kind of can have her reunite with whoever on the battle. You can even have her actually have her full fight with Iska, you know, because we didn't get that whole thing. <laughs> I know uh, you really wanted that. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that fight between Apocalypse and Annihilation was amazing. Yeah, that was dope. And I I thought I don't know I thought that the I thought that the X Men issue was great. Um, kind of like I said, it really gave me more like hype <laughs> for for the event. You know, you kind of open up with uh, Cyclops and Jean coming to the council and giving them the whole "Hey, we need to go there and we need to go and save everybody" because we got this distress call from Cable. Things aren't going well over there. We need to go. <laughs> now, I like, cable. <laughs> I like him. I think he's adorable. He's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's, I like him more better than older cable. That's for sure. I'll give you that, but I also don't like older cable. So, it's like, <laughs> okay. Uh, but no, the, I, I do think the council moment was actually really well done. Yeah. And, you know, them kind of deciding on whether or not they think they should go and who should be going over there because council members can't really go because if they die over there, then you lose your ability to come back because you won't come back like correctly. So mm -hmm. um, Shaw was clearly trying to push for this to go a certain way because he probably knows that Gene is never going to vote for whatever he brings of up course. there. <laughs> of course. Uh, so of course he probably pushed for her to 
be pushed off the council and she's not going to, her idealism will never let her not go out and and save everyone and go and sacrifice herself. Um, however, I don't really like that. I feel like Cyclops was getting a lot of praise for going against the council, even though she was right there and also doing mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this is a man's world. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, she, 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 she deserves she, her praise too for going out there. Now, she does. Now, I granted, she was seen her name in the uh, in that conversation. I, I've seen her getting her praise for like leading the charge of mutants into the battle of Otherworld. Right, that was but great. she. But she was also there, like standing up to the council, and y'all got to give the girl her props. Okay, she lost her spot. <laughs> she gave it up voluntarily, gave it up to go out and save everybody. So I feel like give Jean her props. How do you um, feel about that? Uh, you know, I I go back and forth. I I I'm cool with her giving up her spot. I didn't necessarily like the last reaction of them walking away and and. Cyclops was like, you know, are you ready to go? And she was like, I'm always just waiting on you because I feel like she's always waiting on his ass. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I I don't want it to become a case where she's always going to be tied to Cyclops. But like I've said before, if that's going to be the case where they're just going to have this relationship intrinsically be a part of her story, then I'm going to need them to start showing it to me and not these like little cute, ride or die moments for each other like i want to actually see the the relationship um, as far as or something or like or working out whatever kind of problems or just talking to each other (laughs) (laughs) show me something um but as far as her losing her council seat i don't know i feel like i don't know i feel like because she survived she may not end up losing it for real if that makes sense um I know that they voted against it and whoever goes there has to lose their spot, but I, they could easily say that, you know, hey, we got to revote, and, uh, you know, Jean didn't die on the other side, so she gets to keep her spot or something like that. So I don't know. I don't no, think I she needs to lose her spot not. because I can't I can't really think of anyone who can, f- like, easily I think, I think that's going to be a part of the, um, the excitement, though. Because, and so I think for me, I think that was probably the most exciting outcome of this entire event is that the council was a little bit fractured and so now we kind of have to get into a new move and then even so Saturday says something she was like it's not the first time this is going to happen and so I'm excited to kind of see who takes those positions why they come into the spot I've I've seen a lot of names thrown into the hat for speculation some exciting things I've seen you know somebody said toad at one point in time I thought that was really interesting uh, uh, you know, Toad deserves. Sure. Toad deserves. He's that been there since the beginning. <laughs> um, but you. So wait, you said you liked Excal. I mean X Men. So I'm assuming you didn't like Excalibur. Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> so uh, the next chapter was Excalibur number fifteen, and I was like, what? <laughs> While I was reading it, I was just like, what? What? What is this? <laughs> um, it, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't hitting me the way that I think that the other books were. And it could just be because I'm just mm-hmm. not as into 
other world and mm-hmm. the and all those kind of shenanigans that they do over there so maybe yeah. that's why it didn't really hit i also don't have um a crazy history with those books like i don't know too much about what happened in them like previously mm-hmm. and i feel like some of the reveals in here would have been would have hit me harder had i been reading excalibur for a really long time or like known about it in the past um, I thought it was cool that Saturnine was putting together those pieces. I wasn't sure what the puzzle was going to be at first, but when mm-hmm. it revealed to be a Betsy as Captain Britain, I thought that that was really cool that it was like Captain Britain she, is going, like she's here. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah and, like and, so, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I felt like that would have been such a good moment. You know, as soon as she like put that puzzle together, I don't know, it's magic. Had her like lift up out of it or something like that. That's what I was expecting. Actually. Yeah, you know, it's just... I, no, we're still on the search, which I guess every event needs some fallout. We'll get to the we'll get to the root of it, find out what's going on there. Um, yeah, I just this was another one. Again, I feel like if we would have cut some parts out of previous issues, we could have given a little bit more room to breathe on some of the things that happened in this issue, and it just would have flowed a little bit better. But yeah, the art was really great. Oh, the art was the art was fantastic. I mean, and Speaking of very great art, X of Swords Destruction with Pepe Larraz on art was beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> that was hot. They need to go ahead and like get him on an X book like permanently. They're gonna try and great. poach him. They're gonna try and take him to the greater Marvel universe. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, they're gonna like put him on Daredevil or something like that. Yeah, ooh. they pro- they probably ooh. That's kind of a good idea. idea. <laughs> 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 I kinda like that idea actually. <laughs> I'm into that. Um, so X of Swords Destruction is the final chapter of X of Swords. It's this is where the they have battle. to like st- stick the landing and it's the big battle. And Apocalypse and didn't die, which is great. He, he did not. You know, I had a feeling he was going to retire, though. <laughs> you know, you I had did. a feeling he was he was going to get with her and they were just going to kind of retire him off. Either I, I kind of was under the impression that Genesis was going to take his spot at the council or that. that or that they are going to just have the two of them retire off and mm-hmm. be done with it. Because I feel like there's not too much else you can do with Apocalypse. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, as this, a, this was his story. This was his completion. Yeah. Like, yeah, this, this was, was a great his, moment for him. It was like, put a, you've told it, put him on the shelf and let him rest for a bit. We can pick him back up in a couple of years. Yeah, agreed. Which is great. I mean, it gave him so much like history. It mm-hmm. was very additive to, to the X-Men and the whole mutant Mm-hmm. like history this this era and it might be early to call but this era is feeling very like claremont like okay and what i mean by that is like it feels like there's a long narrative that there's going to be told here oh, and yeah. every and everything is additive because I, re- I remember seeing interviews that claremont gave during his run on x-men where he was told that he couldn't use all the Avengers characters. Like mm-hmm. he, he was told that he couldn't use, you know, Thor and all those kind of characters and they're like, and stuff. So he had to create a lot of his own stuff. That's where we get the Phoenix Force and the Brood mm-hmm. and like all this kind of stuff. So I, I feel like that's kind of what this is feeling like, you know, instead of just doing a bunch of rehashes of stuff, we're getting new stories and everything new is villains. being like, yeah, new villains, new characters to bring over. Everything is feeling very like additive to. I agree to the with story. that. 
And I, I, I think that's kind of, I feel like I read a, or I listened to a Hickman interview once before, and that's what he was saying, you know, when they first kind of pitched Dawn of X and Hoxpox and all that to people, and they were trying to get people to send stuff back for their books. He said they got so many pitches that were just people basically trying to tell the fall of Krakoa and trying to break it. And he was like, "That's not what we're doing here." He's like, "We are trying to make a story first. He's like, "We get." He's like, "If we break it, we can break it later." He's like, "But we just got it." He's like, "Let's put some stuff out there. Let's build this new world. Let's actually make it last for a little bit." So I completely agree with that. And I do agree that I feel like a lot of these things are going to stick. The stuff that they've done with Otherworld, that's probably going to stick around for a while. Um, I mean, Magic, hello. She summoned the entire sword. First of all, can we talk about how useless Magic was this entire battle? Useless? What? She summoned the entire sword. Uh, oh, ship I'm sorry. In, At the and end of all the, the aliens and all the X Men in. So oh, I'm oh I'm sorry. She's a bus. She was transporting everybody. <laughs> she had no type of strategy to offer for the battle. Literally, when the summoners came, you control an entire hellscape of demons. You didn't want to bring some of them to help us fight. Why would she summon? Why would she waste energy summoning all those demons just to lose? Why would she they do were, anything? Why would she it do was, anything? Like, yeah, it was a losing fight. She, she literally <laughs> just stands there and waits for everyone to say, hey, Magic, we need you to transport some stuff. She needs to lose her job. She's not a good captain. You a hater. That's all it is. She's not hater. a good captain at all. Hating. It is Hating. time for her to give it up. And then Gorgon's dead too. I think Scott no, might Gorgon lose his position dead. as Captain Commander. It's We're doing a clean sweep. All right. <laughs> I think I think Gorgon is probably gonna get replaced. I don't know what they're gonna do with his. He died in Otherworld. Yeah, he died in Otherworld. So he he's coming back as like, a new thing. Whatever. Yeah. So yeah, he probably won't keep that captain spot. Um, Magic no. needs to be fired. I think uh, Magic's fine. <sighs> she's fine um, where she's at. I think Cyclops might lose his spot as a captain because of choosing to fight in the battle of other world. Again, they were letting him know, like, this isn't what we can do anymore. And he's just like, no, this is always what I'm going to do. Um, How did you feel about that? About his whole, there will always be X-Men kind of moment. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. It was nice. Yeah. I did too. It was kind of reminded that. I liked what they talked about that, you know, the council obviously can't, they would like to be on his side, but they can't be on his side because they have a nation to look after. It's mm-hmm. not just like, you know, two or three people anymore. Yeah. It's like, we got to think about the greater whole. And he's like, well, that's what the X-Men are for. We got the little stuff, which <laughs> yeah. is, which is really good. I really did enjoy that moment. Um, But I think because of that, he's kind of made that clear that they're going to be like, okay, you're not fit to really like look over the nation, which is great. Basically I'm saying all of this to say that I hope Bishop is getting promoted. Yes. Well, Bishop needs to get all the, all the promotion and attention because uh-huh. where has he been? He needs it. Remember when I thought they were going to do something with him? Same. Man. I suppose why I was on Marauders. Good times, good times. But no, I would like to see Bishop get promoted to Captain Commander or whatever. And then I think it would be interesting to see who any potential new captains might be. Because that be, that's, that's, that's two good things. We got some new council positions and some new captain positions open. I'm ready. You know what? If I can't get, if I can't get her on leading an Acolytes team, let's go ahead and put Polaris as a captain. She's on X Factor. 
I know what I said. <laughs> <laughs> she is the lead detective of X Factor. That's not. That's not what I said. I said. I said. Let's have her go ahead and be a captain. <laughs> uh, I think she'd make a good captain, actually. Yeah, I think it's time for her to do something else than be with X Factor. So I think that she would be a fun captain. Um, it would give her the if. I would like, I guess, probably also see a Captain like book. Maybe I want to see yeah, more of I what know. their what their role kind of actually entails. Yeah, on Krakoa, other than them just being like generals. You know what I mean? I feel like there should be a more defined thing that the captains should be responsible for. I agree with that. I think we would like to be. I would like to see a little bit more of the captains. Again, I would like to see a little bit more of that um, war college that Bishop is leading, and if that could give some more insight to the captains as well, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember but that I had made this guess that Genesis was going to have the Annihilation Helmet and that she was going to be the one powerful enough to overtake it. Um, yes, I remember. Spoiler alert, but it looked like they did gave that to Apocalypse. <laughs> okay, let's talk about it. Wake it up. Wake it up. Because <laughs> goddamn, I mean, he puts the helmet on and it's like oh no you're not controlling me i this is i can do this <laughs> everything he's great he's, he's the greatest he's the greatest mutant alive i mean he I is just, pretty dope i just i just don't <laughs> see how you can get past like he is fantastic great showing for him this is a great apocalypse story i really like the way teeny and jonathan write together yeah i think it's because you get a little bit of the best of both worlds. Um, mm-hmm. You get that highbrow, um, you know, cerebral kind of writing from John. Hickman. Yeah. And then you get the fun kind of whimsical stuff from, from team, which is, which is really cool. I also feel like he kind of edits her down a little bit when she gets a little bit too big. He kind of it's like, hold reels on, it in. He pulls it, reels her in, or he's kind of like inserts his own thing that makes it work a little bit more. Because all three of the Exo Sword specials that they worked on together were really good. The first issue of Empire that they wrote together was pretty good. I would really like to see him hop on Excalibur for an arc just to maybe oh, fight with her. That would be interesting. Just to help her. Because again, I, you know, I have always said it, Teeny is bursting with ideas. I think she's a great mind. Heck, X of Swords, it kind of came from her. This is like something she kind of spearheaded and set the trajectory for, and a lot of people really loved it. But I just feel like she needs a little bit of editing every now and again. And from what I can see, she's at her best when she's writing with Hickman. Yeah. Um, I thought it was cool, the the whole culmination of all of this being the surrender of Ameth, basically being what, a part yeah. of what of what Saturnine wanted to happen was really cool. <laughs> and the way that the surrender ended up happening was dope <laughs> yeah. to me. Yeah. I think I think for a first event for the X books, this was fun. Um I think a lot of people may have wanted powers and um to see their faves kind of go into this big battle and fight each other with swords and powers and stuff like that because it's yeah. been so long since we've actually gotten that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I won't I mean, lie, I definitely wanted to see some swords clash. I oh yeah, for battles. sure. I wanted um, some battles. 
I still say that the first half of this event is so ridiculously strong. The whole sword questing part, loved it, absolutely adored it. The stasis issue, still really liked it. Again, I feel like it gets a little shaky once we get to the actual tournament itself. Feel like a lot of that could have been cut in half. But I feel like by the end, we got back to where we needed to be. We landed. It was a little wobbly, but we landed. I think it definitely stuck the landing for me. Um, I enjoyed it. Overall, I would probably give this event like a 7 out of 10. Okay, I can agree with that. I, I yeah. can agree with that. Definitely much better than a lot of things we've gotten the last few years. Ooh, <laughs> that is for sure. Like, absolutely. <laughs> I think um, in terms, yeah, for, like you said, for the first big X event of the new era, pass the test. Definitely. I think I think now going forward, now that we've kind of done the magic stuff, I do want to see more Krakoa and more mutant mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But it looks like that's what's coming with the whole announcement of Reign of X mm-hmm. coming up next. It looks like we're getting back into more uh, of the mutant stuff and yeah. what's going on with them. I saw Arcade in there. I saw a little bit of Shadow oh, King. Arcade. So Arcade and Shadow King are like they are two of my favorite villains. I used to say Apocalypse was one, but he's no longer a villain, so it's like, that's great. Right, right, right. Um, I, I mean, Shadow King might not be a villain. If somebody turns, like, Shadow King into a good guy, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they could do that uh, one. Like, he's yeah, there, like, though. I know that. They right. work some magic. Um, but Shadow King and Arcade are two of my favorite X... Not even just X villains, like, just villains in general. If they're in a book, I'm going to read it. Yeah, Arcade's a lot of fun. I can't wait to see what they kind of do with him on Krakoa. I bet he's got something to do with taking mutants for resurrection and stuff. I can't wait to find out. I I wonder, so you know, they've been saying Simon Spurrier might be writing an X book because he Mm -hmm. actually tweeted out the Reign of X link as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, he might be coming onto the fold. And if he's the one writing Arcade, yes, because I love his stuff. Yeah. I mean, we've been seeing Arcade in that Black Widow book, so I wonder if there's going to do some... Come on, arcade live yeah, yeah. event. <laughs> arcade's, arcade's there. No needs to move over. Arcade has arrived. <laughs> All right. So yeah, that was the last book of the on the list. Um, let's take a break and then we'll come back. Ooh. All right, we are back. Yes, yes, So, yes. you know, there's been a lot of things happening with the other world, the other history of DC Universe. And then we are currently reading Crisis. And it has got, and we've talked a little bit about DC in general and just kind of that timeline and how crazy it is. And I know this is something that happens with Marvel a lot, even though they don't reboot, but a lot of people talk about them and continuity. And so I just kind of wanted to get into a greater conversation about continuity as a whole. How do you feel about it, first of all? Do you love it? Or do you feel like we need to be beholden to it? Are you pro letting it all go and just doing whatever needs to be done? What's your take? Uh, continuity to me is important. I prefer it. Um, I think that's probably why I end up being more Marvel than DC, because because Marvel has never rebooted, you there's always a through line with everything. So everything kind of mattered, but you can, or at least you can kind of easily cherry pick the things that matter. Whereas in DC, you can't even like, 
yes. pick your favorite things that matter because <laughs> it's just like all over the place. So for me, for me, continuity matters because I I like to be able to like research stuff and kind of go back and see the history of things. So I I prefer for there to be some kind of continuity. So the DC characters that you have gotten into, I will say, has your enjoyment of them ever lessened when you like read a certain version of them and then go back and read a pre-crisis story or something like that and you see maybe they something felt a little bit different about the character or they just had a different type of story altogether oh man that has happened quite often on the dc side (laughs) (laughs) way too often bill mostly because i i i started reading comics in that like john's era so like the mid 2000s when I started reading DC stuff but I started to fully dive into DC stuff reading it on on a regular basis with the new 52 Um, and that like had completely different like personalities for a lot of characters so that ended up causing me to just go back and read other other books that happened that came out way way before my time and that just made me realize oh shit like (laughs) <laughs> these, these are way better <laughs> yeah I, I, I will, other stuff. i'll say a lot of the pre-crisis dc stuff man that is some quality quality content right there like the way that they did their characters kind of built them up really got into the heads got their voices right it was just a lot of good stuff of course there have been some times post-crisis where it's worked but again dc's just had more misses than wins on that front yeah and I think that's because they end up not being able to to accept the fact that some people are going to be upset. <laughs> if yeah. that makes sense, yeah. like you can't you can't make everybody happy. And I think sometimes they try something new, which I will always give DC credit for. They are much more inclined to just try something compared yeah. to Marvel. Like they will just do it they'll give it a, they'll do it <laughs> they'll give it a shot and it's then a see, see it solo book <laughs> yeah right right <laughs> so they'll give it they'll at least give it a shot and just see if it sticks but um i think too often they hear the backlash of something and then they just mm-hmm. revert back to whatever it was from the 1940s <laughs> or the 1950s so you're not a fan that. of reboots at all um I am now because I think DC, <laughs> need, I think DC needs one. <laughs> well, I, I mean, like, uh-huh. even in terms of, like, Marvel, if Marvel wanted to do, I mean, I guess Marvel kind of, it wasn't really a reboot, but during Secret Wars, when they remade the universe, I guess that was their opportunity to kind of, like, redo a lot of things or say, like, oh, these people are back or these people are dead now. But I just think about a lot of those characters, obviously, even the X-Men, who have been around for years, since the 60s and so mm-hmm. you have so many fans who love to go back and say oh there was this one story in the 70s where this character says they hate the color blue and here you are <laughs> in 2020 saying that this character loves the color blue and it's like mm-hmm. and that's where i just think that sometimes people take the continuity steps too far it's like you have to understand these characters are going to be around for years it's going to change just like a lot of people look at their characters as real people. Just as real yeah. people change and like go through the ebbs and flows of their personalities, these characters will kind of do the exact same thing. And they're always going to have to 
exactly, you know, and they're going to have to reform the stories to represent the issues of today. You know, and so it's it's kind of crazy to me. That's where I think about things. And I say sometimes I wouldn't mind a little soft reboot mm-hmm. every now and again. I, I say soft. I don't need us to reboot. And then you once again start telling me this character's origin story. Gosh, no. I don't think there's anybody alive who doesn't know the origin story of Superman or okay. Wonder Woman or Spider-Man or any of them. Like we don't have, we don't have to retell this anymore. Never need to see Uncle Ben die again. Never need Absolutely to see Batman's not. parents get shot again. Don't need to see an asteroid flying from a destroyed planet. It's just like, we got it. But I am a fan of kind of stream rebooting them to streamline those arcs especially those characters that have been around. That's one thing I will say that I've kind of appreciated from some of DC's crisis events. When they do go back and get to these characters, it's like Aquaman, I will say, was a very good example of that. Even during the New 52, when they kept rebooting stuff, his story pretty much remained unchanged. And they were able to work in so many different things to say like, yes, all these things did happen. And like, if it wasn't super great, they could kind of wash that away and be like, okay, that did happen which was good, like the whole Colin Bunn run. Yeah, I feel like I I agree with you with like soft reboots instead of like a hard reset on something. Um, because I do think that, I think sometimes some characters can end up being pigeonholed by, by very small things that may have happened in their past. And if they don't reboot it, yeah. they're kind of stuck with it. I mean, kind of your example of the color, liking the color blue or whatever was... Mm-hmm was minute, but it is, there are a lot of times where I do see that, where <laughs> where something will happen and fans will kind of hold on to, oh, well, you know, back in this book a long ass time ago, <laughs> that's and not- And it's like, you didn't even was. read the book when it came out. You just read it like two years ago. It's not that important. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> like I we think, know we would things... not read this kind of book in the sixties. I do not care. <laughs> 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 yeah, I also see that see I also think that there are some things that were just that and they were throwaways and yeah. because there wasn't ever a reboot or anything that then they ended up being like concrete canon, but I don't mm. think that should always be the case. I think that some moments of a character and their history can should have an asterisk next to it where it's like this was literally just something that was a part of the story like it's not mm-hmm. that <laughs> it ain't that deep. <laughs> don't worry about it. Like don't worry about it. Um, instead of leave, instead of leaving that up to fans to do, um, yeah. But I th- I think that's probably up to writers whenever they do end up relaunching a comic that they can kind of do a quick history. Okay, these were the things that definitely did matter. Mm-hmm. That one small detail about them in the past that we may have written about didn't really matter that much. And here is how it is today. I think that they can kind of do something like that without having to do a hard. I think that's why I kind of like the data pages that the X-Books do now. Um, And I know Hickman's done them in some of his other books in different types of ways, but I just love how it's like a little extra dossier of information. And I think that is the perfect opportunity to kind of give those quick little notes about certain characters or any type of way that you could fit that in. Like, just throw a data page in there. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, this, 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 not happen. We forgetting about this, but all these things still matter. And it's just like, okay. And then again, it's like additive to the actual issue. Yeah, I hope that DC kind of 
scoops that idea up. <laughs> I know that like obviously they'll they'll probably catch flack for it because people will say that that's where they got it from. But yeah. I think that the data pages just add extra information that I think are very crucial to the story and for the character's Other development. And a data page done well is like it really does make all the difference. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I think continuity matters for me. I feel like DC really does need to do a whole like hard reboot. But for them, I don't think that they need to do a reboot in the sense of the new 52 where they tried to make sense of everything or where they tried to say, you know, um, we're starting over completely from scratch and but everybody's younger and it's everybody's only been five years within their careers. They love like, making everybody younger and I just don't understand why. It's like they're they're clearly old. Like Batman yes. is clearly old. <laughs> exactly. And I don't <laughs> think that we need to do a whole young Batman thing or we've done that already. Yeah. <laughs> I think that I think that again they need to be okay with the fact that not everyone's going to like it but mm-hmm. you can stick with it. So I think that they should probably just do a whole reboot. We don't need a rehash of their origins. Like we already know these characters mm-hmm. say and just completely start fresh yeah. and go and just go from there. Have another, have another crisis event or something. So that way you can mash whatever kind of characters you want from whatever kind mm-hmm. of universes together and then just start, <laughs> start from there <laughs> <laughs> and go and go forward. I love that. Mm. Now, speaking of crisis, actually, we're going to get into that. And this will actually continue some of our conversation as well. So let's take a little break. And then once we get back, we'll get into that reread of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Let's do it. All right, and we are back. Yes. Now, uh, this is our in- second um, reread, and this time we are doing Crisis on Infinite Earths. Now, this was my first time ever reading this event ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what an event it was. So I will say that I do not remember this being 12 issues the first time I read it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So that Damn, was is nice, it long? It's long. <laughs> that was a nice little surprise going back into this. I was so. Let me say that when I first read Crisis on Infinite Earths, um, however many years ago, when I was like first getting into comics in like DC and really kind of consuming all of the content, I thought this was amazing, and I thought it was a really great way to not only introduce me to a lot of characters in the DC universe, but just kind of let me know what was going on. And then, of course, like I'm coming in on a crisis, so everything that happened after that was kind of fresh and new new reader friendly going back into this i will say i still enjoyed it however it is very it shows you how different comics are now in terms of how they read crisis on infinite earth is very dense there's a lot of words (laughs) it came out in 1985 you know they definitely were reading doing things differently than we are today they were there's a lot of words there's a lot of talking and the problem and of course that's never necessarily a bad thing but the thing is the way the comic characters talk it's a lot of explaining what they're doing as opposed yes. to just doing it so um there's this one scene i think who was it cole or harbinger she like shoots something at firestorm and he's like oh my subatomic 
molecular powers will turn this ice into flowers and it like shows this happening and he's also telling us and so it's just a lot of that and so while george perez's art is beautiful and he does amazing panels and he gives you like these like huge layouts uh double yeah. spreads 10 panel pages there's just so many word bubbles over top of it that you kind of lose sight of the art again this just is how they read back then any of the Marvel and stuff, even on the new Teen Titans, you're going to get into some very similar stuff where comics were just wordy because, again, everyone had to explain everything. So I thought that was really interesting to see how comics have evolved in that way and just how mm. the writing has gotten a bit tighter or it should be. It's, it's funny that you say that because when I was younger reading comics, those types of word bubbles and that kind of over explanation is how I ended up getting into science. <laughs> so <laughs> I remember I remember answering so many like questions about science because of the way that they would describe Magneto's powers and the electromagnetic spectrum and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I remember someone was like, well, how do you know that? And it was a big, I said, because I read this comic book and they explained. <laughs> they, told, they told me how this works. <laughs> so I think that's really interesting that like the kids back then were probably getting all this like information about stuff that they probably had no idea about. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was really wordy. I also didn't think it was, I didn't expect this to be this long. And I also don't know if this was new reader friendly because wow. this was my first time ever reading this. Like, this was a lot to like jump into. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I was like, wait, who is that? And then I have to stop and like Google something and be like, wait, what can she do? Oh, wait, what the fuck? What? <laughs> and so, and so again, like, I think that's why when I was getting into comics, it was so great because it was introducing me to all these characters. So I was like, oh, I don't know who this person is, but like she looks cool. So I'd go back and I'd Google her and then I'd be like, okay, let me go consume all the Dawnstar content, you know, like, let me go look at the Legion of Superheroes. Let me go look at Harbinger and see what they do. All these people. We got a lot of deaths in this event also. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Left and right people, people were dying. Um, um, we got what? Supergirl dies. Tula, Aquagirl dies. Uh, let's also talk about that Supergirl's death on the cover of that comic is... Um, Iconic. Oh, homage <laughs> to Jean's death, okay? <laughs> okay, let's wake it up. An icon. <laughs> Just saying. She did have that moment. We also get the death of Barry Allen, which leads yeah. into Wally West becoming the new Flash. We get the loss of Dove from Hawk and Dove. So I'm actually a huge Hawk and Dove fan. Can't okay. really tell you why. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just really like the concept of their powers and like being agents of chaos and order and that it's kind of always a partnership i don't really think anyone's ever done anything interesting with the concept to make it really work solo for those yeah. two um but like as a pair and i think don probably has one of the only deaths in comics that has actually stuck there's very few comic characters who have stayed dead don is one of those few characters. Oh yeah, I guess he is. They never bring him back, I guess, that's true. So there was like actually a scene during Blackest Night where one of the Black Knight rings went to him to like resurrect him, but apparently he was so peaceful in death and so happy that it couldn't bring him back. Wow, okay, he just wants to stay dead. <laughs> yeah, it's a, no, literally like even so after it resurrects Hawk, cause Hawk was dead at the time, like it resurrects, resurrects Hawk and he even looks over and he's like, 
yeah, I guess I got to do all the work anyway. Like I always did. Like <laughs> He's like, you just really did not want to be here. Um, but yeah, I, it, it's crazy too. Cause this is one of those times where death in comics meant something. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they were just finally starting to like toy with that and actually like make deaths count <laughs> now. Yeah. And so that was really interesting. But despite all of that, like I said, we also got a lot of new stuff. We got Wally becoming the Flash. We got the birth of Dr. Light, Kimio Hoshi. Yes, we did. Which I, I don't think I had always kind of like liked her because, yeah. uh, hello, strong woman. Why wouldn't I like her? But <laughs> um, I didn't know she was like so mean. I didn't know she <laughs> She's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, She's a nasty I knew, little woman. <laughs> I knew I had I had like known about her, like her character, and I had seen her in uh, some of the animated shows and stuff, and thought she was yeah. a cool looking character. I know she was like so mean. <laughs> she don't give a shit about nobody. <laughs> she's like, no, she's like, I'm here to work. Um, yes. <laughs> I, she, she softened up in like some of her later interpretations that I would see over time. But yeah, like it was actually really fun going back and watch this and just see how much she just genuinely hated everybody. She's like, y'all are everybody in my was way. dumb. Yes. <laughs> Every, like she's like, y'all are in my way. Y'all are stupid. Like we need to get this done. Um, yeah. And, and when I say everyone, I mean everyone, because literally every single DC character was in this event. <laughs> exactly. Um, speaking of, so they they had a moment in here where while, so they're like, uh, all the worlds are kind of converging against each other and mm-hmm. all the different heroes and all the different uh, Earths are out protecting people and everything. Wildcat uh, makes a rescue and he gets injured. Mm-hmm. And while after he gets injured, I think he, I'm not sure if he ends up dying because he ends up, like in a hospital and they kind of say that he's going to die. Yeah. Someone else puts on a wildcat costume and she becomes a new wildcat and oh, it's a yeah. Latina woman. Mm-hmm. I thought this was really cool to see because I wonder if there was a lot of complaints about this back then mm-hmm. compared to like mm-hmm. now, because I feel like that is something that happens now where a new character of color will come out of an event or come out from any kind of comic yeah. story and there's usually some kind of backlash from it because people don't want to let go of the fucking past or something <laughs> or Ooh, whatever. And I wonder, she looked cool. So I wonder if there was like any kind right. of- I can see that happening. I, and you know, I, I think about that often, a lot of times when new things for comic books come out and I see the reaction that people have. And I'm like, oh my gosh, were people this bad back then? But I know for a fact that they were. I have the Judas Contract hardcover Oh, awesome. And because, you know, that's one of my favorite stories of all time. And in the beginning of it, Marv Wolfman like writes this whole little story and everything. And he talks about how when they revealed Tara as the traitor, he said they got tons of hate mail. Oh, my gosh. He said he was getting like death threats and everything coming for Tara to, for Tara don't do that to Tara uh, well, uh, no I love her but I meant like she's just a character y'all ain't got to do no she's death threats uh, oh yeah no they were they were going crazy um <laughs> but you know he's that's one of the things he talks about in the book he's like you know people were like writing in like how dare you make her evil and how could you do this and I hate you even though if you go back and read the original story it was very clear from the beginning 
that Tara was an evil character. Like it's one of the very first things that you find out about her is that like she is a double agent. <laughs> and so and I'm I'm also a positive that didn't he create her to kill her? Like her Yeah, her like point that was, was never thing. to make it past the story. <laughs> the whole thing is like she was not supposed to like be this thing, but you know, again, like he want he she created her popular. to be the anti the anti kitty pride. That's what mm-hmm. he calls her. But, you know, she became popular. But that's one of the things where he talks about. He's like, you know, we just got tons of hate mail and all these things. So I think about that. Like when these characters debuted back then or like when Kyle Rayner or even Jon Stewart or somebody came in and replaced somebody else. But just like people were probably going crazy with their mail, sending two or three letters. (laughs) Yeah, which is which is wild, especially when a case with Jon Stewart, because his blackness was is so intrinsic to his character. It's not like it's like not like the very first thing that he does in his book is talk about being black yeah. <laughs> like when he's introduced, <laughs> which was another thing I found interesting and great about that, uh, that the other side of DC book that came out this week, um, because from Black Lightning's point of view, he wasn't doing anything at all like to be mm-hmm. black, but from Green Lantern, the very first issue when he gets the Green Lantern suit, he says, I'm not wearing a mask because people need to see that I'm black. Exactly. <laughs> and guy. I thought that He's was a great characters. I, I thought that was really cool that like from the outside looking in, of course he like, looks like he's not doing enough or whatever. But yeah. on John's side, he's like, no, I am doing stuff. So And I'm glad we finally got that moment with them. Um, because you don't get too many of them in the actual comics, like especially during the times where they existed yeah. together. And it's shocking to me because I will say that back then that is one thing that i think dc was immaculate at in terms of making sure that their universe felt connected yeah again like during this event just about every single dc character is there you have so many different characters that are working together and it's very different from marvel where you tend to get a lot of the big two it's either the avengers and the x-men and it's a lot of those same kind of characters whereas dc it's like no Again, because you have all these little families, it's a lot easier to get them together. You see Starfire fighting with Steel. Like, when are you ever going to see them together again? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Everybody's <laughs> just kind of, like, interacting with each other. I mean, even in this book, which was really, which probably highlighted, again, I keep talking about this book from this week, which probably highlighted <laughs> the other the other side of DC because of, in this mm-hmm. book, you saw, you saw uh, Black Lightning there and, like, interacting mm-hmm. with everyone but mm-hmm. in that book, you actually got to see how his feelings were while he was actually yeah. out fighting for the crisis. It's, it was it really was, cool. Reading these two together was a good idea. Yeah, I think so. I, I, did, I didn't think that that was going to be the case, but it was really, really awesome to have read the two of these together. It it, was, and, and again, it just really makes me excited for John, really. I truly want him to, like, I want us to be in the, like how we talk about the John's era. I want us to be in the Ridley era. Oh man, yes. If he can, if he can capture the character of Black Lightning like that, so not only Black Lightning, but Black Lightning, Green Lantern, Vixen, I feel like he got all of their voices perfectly mm-hmm. well done in that book. If he could do that, like, just give him the keys. Smell, do we smell a new Trinity? <laughs> for, for, hello. Oh, <laughs> I like, I like that. Let's wake that up. <laughs> oh, poor cyborg. Oh, well. (laughs) Oh, so, but you know what? Okay, now I'm going back to the other history. There was this, like, one page in the other history where it had Black Lightning, Jon Stewart, Cyborg, Katana, and Vixen, like, all on the page because they were the minority heroes at the time. And I was like, that could have been a team right there. 
Like that's right, I was into that. Yeah, and he, I, I, I loved when he was like, "Hey, there are more of us," but he meant us as in like minorities who were like yeah. around also being. Really, great <laughs> I'd buy that book. Okay. Uh oh, Supergirl's death, probably one of my favorite deaths in comics. It was it was a moment. So like I again, this is my first time ever reading this. So like yeah. I had never. I knew that she died. But I didn't know how she died. I also didn't know she was that damn powerful. Like. He was knocking them out, knocking them Yo, out, okay? She was I, like, you're not killing this man on my watch. I didn't know she was that powerful. Like, she was giving animator on that, that work. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't, I, I wasn't expecting her to die that way. Um, yeah. I, I didn't know how she was going to die. Uh, so it was, it was a pretty, pretty sad uh, a death for her and, and for Superman to kind of witness too. Yeah, because um, again, I think it just goes back to just who they are as characters. You know, yeah. Superman is truth, justice, the American way, hope, everlasting, and Supergirl is kind of the second embodiment of that. Mm-hmm. And but I think it really put it on the pedestal that she was like, no matter what, like Superman is that person. He is the one that everybody's looked up to first. Like we have to make sure he's a martyr. We have to make right. sure that we save him. Um, right. And kind of her taking that on and just saving him was really great. It was a really great moment for her. And, you know, Supergirl's kind of a character. She's had a little bit of a tumultuous history herself. Just in terms she of has. things she's gone through. She, and she was a Red Lantern. Iterations. She was a Red Lantern. There was also Linda Danvers, the Supergirl, with the flame wings and the flame eyes for a short period of time, which I was kind of into. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it didn't really it didn't really make a lot of sense but i don't i don't know it was something about like the little skirt with the thigh high boots and then these like flame wings i was just really like the into, the look, into the look i was into it it's the look i was like this is hot like this is hot <laughs> you gotta have it um so I, I do feel kind of bad that despite her having this really great moment going out everything that comes afterwards gets a little messy which again is i guess a dc staple <laughs> yeah i mean they kind of they kind of stuck the landing with this one for me um there were a, quite a few deaths in it that i wondered how they played out mm-hmm. i noticed that this had a lot of editor's notes in it which it i feel like we need to bring those back i love something. editor's notes yeah i feel like we need to bring those back because there was a moment in this where um blue devil was out fighting and stuff and then he got like teleported off into something else and then at the bottom it said like you know keep following this out in uh blue devil Mm -hmm. number 18 or something like that and i feel like we don't get a lot of that anymore where the tie-ins are connected through like the main story but they're the actual action and things that happen are in the main story and they're just they end up directing people to go and read the tie-in in the other book i feel like mm-hmm. nowadays it's just the book just right. kind of ties in and that's <laughs> you, you don't know yo no <laughs> yo no right <laughs> exactly but i think that this was cool that the actual tie-in action happened in the main book and then you can yeah. go and see what happens in the side book that was pretty cool but Again, i feel like we just is, don't do as much anymore this is that's something else where i think dc shine these little crossover events where they brought everybody in even like i think of when i read blackest night you know there were tons of books for blackest night you know 
And I surely wasn't reading all of them. (laughs) (laughs) But I do recall there were little parts here and there that was like, you know, oh, if you want to follow Wonder Woman and Star Sapphire, go read these Star Sapphire. I mean, go read these Wonder Woman books. You know, if you want to see John as an indigo lantern, go read this Green Lantern book and stuff like that. So it, it was something that they've really excelled at. When they get it right, they get it right. They really do. What I liked about this was I am a big fan of the Legion of Superheroes. And I like that this was an event that kind of changed everybody at the end of it because because like it was the big, you know, cataclysmic event. But Christ, I mean, uh, sorry, the Legion of Superheroes is so cool for to me because they weren't affected time wise because they can affect Mm -hmm. time. But Mm -hmm. they include this as a moment of like history that they talk about. So it's like oh, you know, oh, this happened during the Great Crisis or whatever. Like, they actually talk about it actually happening, which I think is cool. Whereas with this book, I think only the people who were around from the beginning of time even remembered that it happened. Uh, Yeah. um, I don't think anybody even remembered that this was, like, a thing. Um, They they don't. (laughs) Yeah. Now, there was a death in here I was going to ask you about. While they are trying to save all the worlds and everything is kind of going crazy... Uh, the villains break out <laughs> and of course mm-hmm. they they of course want to take over and do their own thing and there was the death of Tula now I know that you are a big Aquaman fan and like the big Aquaverse so did this end up hitting like in the uh, Aqua books like that so it did I still don't really get why <laughs> <laughs> if this is if this is a safe space yes yes <laughs> um I don't really care about Tula at all I think oh, she is like so uninteresting. Okay. And there have been so many Aqua Girls that have that are more interesting. I think Tula survives because of nostalgia. Mm. She was that Aqua Girl who died in the crisis, and she's kind of she came back during like New Fifty Two Rebirth, and so everybody's like, "Oh my God!" Like Tula, died. like everyone talks about Tula, and they're like, "Oh, we want to see her talk to Garth." Ugh. Okay, then what? <laughs> like and then what <laughs> it's like okay and then what like what do you want like Tula is another one of those characters who she's found her place in the current Aquaman books I will say that like she has a role she kind of acts as like an ambassador second in command to a lot of them sometimes she does fine I just don't think she was ever an interesting enough Aqua girl to get all the hype that she's garnered her death was sad though Garth was sad she got fridged. Let's call it what it is. It sucks. She um, did. She got fridged for sure. She got she got <laughs> fridged. She dies. <laughs> and it's like the weirdest death. So they're literally in the water. And then when they're yeah. out, when all, when all those villains are breaking out, Chemo, the villain Chemo, like shoots something into the water that makes it polluted. Yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> and, and she dies in that one polluted spot of water that she just happened to be in at the time. Um, so, yeah, I think they were trying to. I think that this was also the '80s, so they were probably trying to give you a, a message about like yeah, polluting the waters and stuff. So it it, it was it, it was a very heroic death for her. And you know, and again, Tula became kind of a martyr afterwards. Like she got a statue in Titan's Tower. She was a Titan for like ten seconds. <laughs> okay, so I, she unfortunately was fridged then, but they just kept her, you know, visual around yeah. to keep, push other people. Yeah. Um. So whatever. It was sad. Garth was sad. Yeah, I had wondered if yeah, if that had hit in the Aqua books like that. Because while I was reading it, I was like, "Oh, I know this it girl. 
<laughs> I remember it, it was, I mean, of course, obviously I didn't read it at the time when it came out, but like I've been on like message boards and things like that. And I've seen people who read the story back then and they like talk about it. They were like, oh yeah, that was such a big moment for us. And like Tula girl, Tula left. And when she came back, it was like, oh my God, Tula's finally back. And it's just like, whatever, it's Tula. Now, this ended up being a very fun event for me. Like I had a great time with it. Okay. Um, but I did think that it was just a little too long. And I thought that it was, it may have been a little too cosmic for me. And I guess- Really? Maybe, too cosmic <laughs> for you? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I guess what I mean by that is, it felt like every other turn was this like MacGuffin cosmic thing of, oh, well, I built this machine. Baby planet oh. kept disappearing. Okay. <laughs> yes. Like every five seconds, somebody was popping up, like, this is about to be destroyed. And you're just like, God like, damn. wait, I'm like, God damn, wait, what? <laughs> and then like, wait, how are you able to do that? Oh, you're that powerful? <laughs> this is this is getting to be too much <laughs> for me. <laughs> I'm out. Like, where are the, how are these regular ass people just like and by regular people, I mean they're all super powered, but I mean like yeah. how are they able to like do all of this stuff <laughs> out there? And it's just it was it was a lot. Like, again, I did not remember this being 12 issues. Um so I remember I went in thinking I was like, oh, it's only like six issues. You know, I'm reading on my DC Universe app. And I got the issue six and it's like still going. I was like seven. I was like eight. And I was like, hold on. And I went back, I was like, oh, this is 12 issues. I was like, oh, these are like 12 really long, really dense issues which yeah once they it, once they beat the anti-monitor the first time i was like okay cool i thought it was over but then <laughs> <laughs> then, they, then they had the villain part in there because of course you had to have them fight them uh -huh. and and then after that was over i was like all right well they done now brainiac this is done oh no <laughs> like something just kept on happening anti-monitor came like, back and they gotta beat that <laughs> and again i think this is just really evocative of comics during that time I don't think now if the way that people write where you don't have to overly explain everything, you kind of let the artist take some more of the spotlight every now and again, it could probably read a little bit better. Of course, you do have some writers. I, I, I think of Snyder's Justice League. Snyder's Justice League was the exact same way. He put like 7,000 oh, really? words on a page <laughs> sure, okay. every single issue. And, and it was to the point where it was just like, this is unnecessary. Again, this is not how we read any longer. Comics have changed, artists have gotten stronger. Um, your storytelling abilities should be a little bit better now where you don't have to have every character explaining exactly what they're doing while they're doing it. Exactly. I feel like this was, if I could compare this to Secret Wars, the original mm -hmm. one, I think I liked Secret Wars a little bit better. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's because it was a little bit uh, better of a through line through it <laughs> versus <laughs> this which i think was kind of a little bit all over the place yeah. with every every other turn like you would pop up and you'd be like oh in this other universe and then this other universe and i think this also kind of highlighted my current issue with dc as a whole which mm -hmm. is i felt like while i was reading this a lot of these characters should have been more important to me than they were okay. and because they were around, like they would have Obsidian and Jade oh, and Obsidian. right and all these really cool characters, but their importance to me wasn't that important. Like I thought that they were cool, obviously, mm -hmm. but I'm like, oh, they weren't really hidden in the story. But I feel like that's because DC now in the past, like I don't know how long, 
they don't use any of these characters. Like yeah. <laughs> all Obsidian the Sidian and Jay don't even exist anymore. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and like most of the characters that they focus on are if you're not Batman related, you're probably not gonna yeah. get too much play. Or it's Superman. Yeah. Where they actually have a a whole like stable full of characters that they could actually use and and highlight and make them bigger mm-hmm. than they actually are. Again, and that and that's the problem with just like continuity in these reboots why I don't think we need super hard reboots every time like you could give us a nice little soft reboot and then we still would have Obsidian and well I think Obsidian still exists it's just like a different earth version of him and it's See, not I don't like, like that, yeah. <laughs> I, don't like that. <laughs> I feel like they, they could easily just like crash it all together and do like a crisis like a soft mm. a soft a crisis to me isn't a hard reboot Mm-hmm. because you don't have to necessarily like completely wash everything away as much yeah. as it is do a reboot where you can cherry pick the characters that you want to have mm-hmm. and go from there i will say reading this and watching the ascension of wally west dc really hates him now yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's almost like they blame him <laughs> for yeah this. it's like <laughs> why, like this like the death of Barry Allen and then Wally becoming Flash was a great character arc. And Wally as the Flash is probably most people's Flash. He's no yeah, he's my Flash. Like he is and to know that Barry's back and just like the things they do to Wally now. <laughs> no, they keep they keep him away. <laughs> it's, just like, it's just like what did he do? And, you know, and again, like I've said it before, I'm not really a huge Flash fan. It's mainly because, like, I'm not a huge, super huge fan of speedsters. Yeah, me neither. They can do um, too much. And, D- and DC speedsters are, like, ridiculous. Oh, like, I mean, I even know. in this in this book, they made a point of saying, I think the anti-monitor or the monitor said, the Flash is the only, like, thing that can cross dimensions. And I was like, yeah, what the? What? Why can you do that? Like, why can you do that? <laughs> Um, and so I've never really gotten too much into them, but again, like Wally is that you know, he was the one on the cartoon, he was uh a leaguer during times when I was reading comic books, and to see them just kind of toss him to the side, man, they hate that guy. I, I'm I, I has to be it has to be because he's the flash, it gotta be <laughs> like I, it's like they blame him for picking up the mantle. <laughs> <laughs> just like something is bad and i I think i think it's because he represents that probably him and nightwing they both represent that the old guard has to get old like Mm, at some at some point kid flash has to become flash he can't be kid flash forever yeah that is true and he became flash and then they took it away and I, now I don't know what he is actually. Is he still and, you know what? Things ain't been right since. So look at that. <laughs> so look at that. Oh, when, you, when you do clownery, the clown comes back to bite. It comes back to bite. And you know, and again, like that's another thing. DC and their legacies, I think they've always done that really well. You mm-hmm. know, even if these characters don't become their mentor they still become something else and they're able to grow and like change. And I think, and I, that's another thing that I kind of hate when they do these reboots because we lose all of that. Yeah. I don't, I think that you kind of mentioned it there with, they may not always become their mentor, but they become something else. I, I yeah. think DC might be afraid of them always becoming the mentor when that, that doesn't always have to be the case. Like look yeah. at, look at Nightwing. 
He didn't become mm-hmm. Batman. He became Nightwing. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't always mark the end of that yeah. original character. They can become something else. And, you know, honestly, I think some of these uh, mentor main characters, they be, they do good to get away for a year or two and let yeah. somebody else take up the mantle, you know? And I, th- and I think that's one of the things that people in comics just have to remember. Again, comics is uh, cyclical. Yeah. It's always it's it's always going to come back in a different type of way. Like it's okay, embrace the new. I think of Children of the Atom, that's coming out for the X books. It's honestly not an X book for me. Yeah. I know that we've talked about that before, but it is something new, and for whoever enjoys it, it's going to be great for them. So it's like you still have to kind of give that a chance and let that get out there and let that breathe, even if I don't necessarily read it. And that's how I feel about with a lot of these DC characters. It's like. Shelve Bruce Wayne for a year or two. Maybe not Bruce Wayne. That might cause too much of an uproar. But <laughs> he needs it. <laughs> they need a break. Like, yeah, you know, he needs it. Like, I think of Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, when was the last time she had a really good story? She just needs like, a story. She don't need a break. She, she needs a story. <laughs> you know, it's like, let these characters take a quick break, put somebody else in their shoes, and then maybe out of this new thing that you've built, some new ideas will pop up for Diana of the Mascara or Bruce Wayne or Clark Kent or whoever. And then you also have time to miss them. Exactly, which is why I think they should extend Future State and do something like this for a while and just take a long break and see see what ends up happening. Future State's going to be interesting because I know we have it, but then I know we're going, like I said, I think to Endless Winter after those two months. I see, I guess that's why with this crisis event, I would like to probably see them do more events like this because crisis lasted for a whole year. Like mm-hmm. uh, this, they basically took a whole line wide break and said, no, this event is gonna happen all year. <laughs> Whereas I feel like now the events are just for like a month or two, maybe. Very quick. Very they try, quick. They, they try and make them weekly so like they can get them out the way, which- yeah. It would be interesting to see if they ever did like a year long event for a comic today. I wouldn't be opposed to it. And how that would But I would agree that I think they also would have to like cancel everything else. Yes, it would have to be a thing of like, this is what we're doing for the year. We're taking a break. That's what probably DC should do if their next crisis, do another one like this where it's a whole year of fixing things, a whole year of like, let's get it right. And then come Mm -hmm. out with a new line and launch. I'd be down for that. Are there any characters from this who you like really stuck out that you want to see more of that you like or that you didn't know of beforehand that kind of like piqued your interest? Ooh, so there were a lot of them actually. Um, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) okay. Um, Celsius, who is she? And I want to know more about her. (laughs) Celsius, Dad. She was cool. I don't know who she was, but I liked her. Um, I did like that Wildcat. I thought that she was dope. Um, I didn't know too much about her. Like I'm a I'm a JSA fan, mm-hmm. um, and I like the original Wildcat. I've heard of this one. I don't think I've read too much stuff with her actually in it though. Yeah, they should bring her back around. Like today, I feel like she would probably hit more <laughs> now. Oh, I, absolutely. <laughs> her yeah. and Yara teaming up. Hello. <laughs> Talk about a duo. I'm into that. Um, who else did I like from this? Doctor Light was cool. Uh, like I said, I, it was kind of interesting to see how mean she was. <laughs> did, did that turn you off a bit? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, but you know, everybody like a little mean girl sometimes, yeah, you know. Just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, 
uh jade i thought that was really cool but again mm-hmm. they're like caught in whatever kind of limbo thing yeah who knows with her know too. what's going on with that they yeah. might come back i think she was on the promo so i oh. think I think Endless Winter is supposed to do something where people come back or something like that. And I feel like Jade was on one of those promo pieces. I wonder if Endless Winter is going to be their like Secret Wars. <sighs> That'd be interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, that was pretty much it of the newer characters that I had saw that okay. I was like, oh, that's, I want more of them. <laughs> that's a nice little list. That's a nice little list. Yeah. Um, okay, well, that was crazy. What did you think of it overall? Does it hold up for you? Uh, <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, y- yes and no. Okay. Yes, I think, again, it still kind of hit some of that nostalgia for me. So it was like, yeah, it, like, oh my gosh, I totally remember that. I really love seeing all these various characters together. Again, I do think it just, its biggest fault is that it is a product of its time. Yeah. And that just like reading this now, again, reading this now and it being 12 issues, Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, all right, this is a bit much. I wonder if they'll ever do this in live action. Do you think it's too big? No, but I also don't trust them to do it. <laughs> I mean, they've done a, technically a version of it on TV with the Arrowverse. I don't, I don't watch any I didn't of those. Watch so, it. Um, you know I, mean, I don't either. Um, although I am going to watch. Um, I watch Black Lightning. Right, yeah. Occasionally. Yeah. (laughs) And um, I tried to, I watched the first season of Supergirl when it was on CBS. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, they, yeah, they did it on that. And then there's also the animated adaptation of this. Oh, yeah. But that was like Crisis on Two Earths, though, I think. Two Earths, yeah. It it mixed a little bit in there. But um, that animated one is really good. It is great. Yeah, I don't know. Like, if it was a movie, I don't trust the current WBDC team to take it on and do it in live action. I think it would really be great to see that. But I'd also love to see them build out some more of their universe first. Yeah, I agree. I feel like the Arrowverse version of it, I haven't seen it, but that's because I haven't watched a lot of the Arrowverse TV shows. Superhero TV shows, from superhero TV shows for me, the budget is never really there for their abilities, so then I end up mm-hmm. being taken out of it. Like it becomes too campy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would rather it be a movie, so they could have like a bigger budget for this for the effects and everything. But kind of like you said, they need to fix some stuff first <laughs> before right we ever segue, get there. Do you think that is a problem with the DC Cinematic Universe that they're not really embracing legacies and their younger heroes? Because I feel like for DC, that's a very big part of them. Like yes, the, the family aspect, and I feel now that I'm thinking of sitting here thinking about it, as outside of Shazam, which introduced the Shazam family, and people love Shazam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're that building and like the part of DC's like draw is like kind of yeah. like you said, their legacies. They have the big families of characters, Superman and all his like characters, and Batman and all of them. You want instead of just focusing on the, exactly instead of just now, focusing on the the main ones. Robin's dead suit. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah overall i thought crisis was a really fun event i love the art fantastic stuff like this is iconic george perez is a master is, at his craft I mean, yes he yes, is was, he is dc comics and then literally i was gonna say that he really is just <laughs> he is synonymous with like dc <laughs> yeah it's just like you can't you can't, you can't go wrong with this oh it's just like george perez, and it's great art also. yeah 
Uh, so yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I had a lot of fun. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm glad. That was a fun reread. I was glad yeah. to go back and see it. And you know, again, I, I'm not really doing a lot of DC stuff this year. Yeah. So this was fun things, to dive back into those characters. Yeah, see, like seeing why I actually enjoy these characters. I was like, okay, I can deal with this. And you saw how Starfire was about that action? Let me tell you, Starfire gets a lot of play in these like big okay. company events. <laughs> She's that girl. Yes. She is yes. that great. She brought up the warlords of Okara. Okara. She, listen, she's always going to tell y'all where she's got her hood from, okay? She said she brought them up, and I just burst out in laughter. I was like, this is great. Um, so, yeah. I think yeah. if you ever read Crisis, maybe read this. If you- I would say check it. Check it out for sure. The the 12, it's 12 issues is longer than a lot of other events, so... Definitely, you can pace yourself with it. It's a little bit of a dense read sometimes because would you it's give from this, the 80s. Would you give this to someone who's not familiar with DC at all? No. <laughs> <laughs> and the only reason I say that because this was my first time reading this. Mm-hmm. And as someone who was reading this their first time, this was a lot. Like, there were a lot of different, like, characters yeah. uh, popping in and out and, like, their abilities and stuff. I feel like you yeah. would kind of have to know a little bit more about DC to really dive into this. Um, yeah. And so, no, this is not something where I would tell someone to start their hey, DC stuff. Uh, if, if they the knew a little history. bit more, yes. If they knew a little <laughs> bit more about DC, then sure. But if they were, like, trying to jump into it, maybe not. But okay. definitely pick up the other history of DC. <laughs> yeah, pick that up. That's a, that's a good jumping in point. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Thanks so much for uh, listening. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Another Relaunch. You can send us emails with questions, concerns, all that kind of stuff. We respond to it all at okay. anotherrelaunch at gmail.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter and other social media at UncannyLZ. Uh, Keenan, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Keenan Lance with an underscore at the end. You can find me on Instagram at Million Dollar Madman. Yes, I have not combined them yet. I'm down to the final two. I'm pretty sure by next week, it's going to be ready. Okay. I promise. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Fantastic. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you next week. See ya. Bye.